from the studios of News Talk 1480 WHBC. It's Kenny and JT. Time to talk some high school basketball here on the Kenny and JT Show. By the way, congratulations to the Lady Blue Streaks who knocked off the Lady Polar Bears last night in a big Federal League matchup, 47-37. Billy Beebe, Bob Jeffries with the call on whbcsports.com. Lady Blue Streaks now 14-1 on the season, 8-1 in the Federal League. The Lady Polar Bears fall to 13-3. Uh, they only have one loss in the Federal League as well. So a uh, big game last night. We've got a big game for you on the stream on Friday night. And uh, the guy who will call the McKinley-Glen Oak game Friday night for you joins us now on the hotline, Dan Belford. How are you, Bells? Kenny, doing well. JT, hope you guys are well, too. We are enjoying the warmer weather these days, and things are heating up down the stretch too, Bells, uh, as we're trying to figure out who's going to win this Federal League. McKinley 6-2, and two, Glen Oak 5-2. and two. Glen Oak, uh, let's see, is in second place right now with Green, who's 5-2. and two. And, oh, yeah, Jackson's 5-3, and three, Bells. It's still up for grabs, isn't it? Boy, it is, and we see this every year coming down the stretch. And you mentioned uh, uh, the 5-2s and, and, and all that, and Green with 5-2, and two, they had a – Boy, they had a just a smackdown win over Maslin uh, the other night. Really uh, show what they're made of as we get closer to tournament time. But McKinley and Glen Oak both have to play them yet coming down the stretch, too. So this whole mix of who's going to separate from the pack or who's going to share the title is going to come down to the final week. And we wouldn't want it any other way. It's going to be great. It's really interesting, too, because you look for teams right now about this time of the year to maybe get on a roll, and you look at their schedule, McKinley rattling off three wins in a row, but Glen Oak gets tripped up by North Farmington. My question's got to be, where is North Farmington? North Farmington, to me, would be somewhere... Um, North? Michigan. Yeah, far, I know of Farmington, Michigan there, and so I, I would assume North Farmington would be in that vicinity. I'm really not sure, though. You know, the interesting thing, though, Dan, is I look at the district rankings, and you see Louisville at number two, Glen Oak at eight, yeah. Hoover 11, Maslin 13, Jackson 15, McKinley all the way down at number 18. But yet, you look at it, and like Kenny said, there's still tops in the Federal League. How does that manage? You know, I, I, then that's where I have problems with polls sometimes. Okay. Because I think McKinley, when they're on their game, it, it plays as well and are as formidable as opponent as anyone is going to come up against. And, you know, they took out a Hoven who's not playing bad. Uh, they're starting to find themselves a little bit, but not up to the expectations people have had of them. Lake, we understand. It has been down most mm-hmm. of the year. They have Kassenheiser back, but still. Uh, they rolled them. Uh, Akron East, not a very good team at all. They beat them in the MLK. And, and then you have some quality losses, though. You lose the St. V. You lose the Jackson. You lose the Hoover. Mm-hmm. That probably all factors in to, to where they're falling. But it, obviously, if you take care of what's before you, the things you could control starting with this game on Friday night, you should be okay coming down the stretch. Just get a decent seed, play your ball, I know Sean Witherspoon will have him playing that way, and, and they're going to be fine come tournament time. Happy to have with us Dan Belford. You'll hear him uh, calling basketball and football for us all season long, all year long on WHBC as well as WHBCSports.com. And, Bells, uh, I want to go back to, uh, you know, looking at, at Glen Oak, right? We had Coach Harrison on. He won his 300th game uh, not too long ago, uh, and, and his team can play with anybody. Uh, what is it about Coach Harrison, the 
no matter where he goes. He always it may take a few years, but he always seems to be able to turn a program around and have them play top notch basketball. He has, you know, Kenny. That's a really great question. He has a system, and I don't think he's changed it much from job to job. Whether it was Timken or McKinley or Glen Oak, and he has always been a great evaluator of the talent that is on that roster. You can't create what you don't have, but you can identify what you have and play to the strengths of those kids and have those kids implement their strengths into his system, and we've seen it happen time and time again. This is a fun group of kids to watch. Outside of Ja'Cory Lipkins, there's probably a lot of people in the county can't name another kid on that team, Mm -hmm. but they, they are all solid players. Bryce Broom, you would look at Bryce Broom and say, no, nah, that kid doesn't play sports at all. He's just a diminutive <laughs> young guy. But boy, is he a scrapper and a, and a great point guard. McElroy is playing well. Uh, it's a white I was very impressed with. He's a sophomore. And their big guy, Reese Zerker, who's more of a big guy swing. They'll, they'll swing him out a lot, perimeter either side. Another solid kid. And they're going now they're going three, four deep off the bench which makes it a little more challenging for any opponent when they take on Glenn Oak. Kenny, the other thing is this, too, and from what I've seen, and when we talk to Coach Harrison, it's obvious the kids love playing for that guy, as it was evidence like Dan just mentioned. When he was at Timken, Kenny, and you grew up in the city of Canton, it wasn't open enrollment, but you got your choice. You could either go play at McKinley, you could go play at Timken. And I'm talking about sports and obviously go to school at either one. But the thing was this. McKinley had the record for the most victories in the state of Ohio basketball. And yet there were players that chose to go to Timken to play for Coach Harrison rather than stay and play at McKinley. Wow. That's a good point. And that's true. And we started to see that little swing of McKinley where they hit some downside Mm -hmm. and and some flat times in the program. And there's Coach Harrison. Uh, on the bench over at Timken, you knew who he was. You knew what he brought to the table. Uh, did your style of play fit what he wants? Because if you're a kid that just wants to come on the court and shoot the ball, he'll have you carrying a clipboard on the bench because you're going to play hard for him on both ends. You're going to play baseline to baseline, and that's what we're going to see on Friday night. I anticipate, in my opinion, the most physical game we've seen all year coming on Friday night. And I mean that in a good way because both of these teams like to play defense right up in your chest. We're going to see man-to-man, I would say, 90% of the time. We're going to see pressure. We're going to see trapping. And we have watched officials this year let these kids play. There's such a thing as playing a contact game and understanding what is too much contact. It may take them a while to get into that rhythm. But we're going to see a war. It's going to be a collision on Friday night at the old field house. Dan, will this game be as close as we've seen to an all-city night that we've seen since all-city night? I hope so, because I'm still waiting for the people to show up at the field house. I really am. These kids deserve that. I hope Glen Oak travels well. McKinley, uh, as stellar as they have been this year, we haven't seen the numbers um, I feel these kids deserve and the coaches deserve for the effort they're putting out on the floor. And I remember those All-City nights. I remember the nights when All-City went away and these good McKinley teams put 4,000 in the seats at the the field house. So I'm hoping we start to see that trend back. I really do because they're two outstanding programs, two quality coaches, some outstanding young men who just leave it all on the floor, and we have it all for you on Friday night. All right, let's look at uh, some of the other teams in the area, Bells, and we have to start with 
the number one ranked team, I, I think, in the area by everybody, and that's Louisville. They're 13-1. and one. RPI, they're number one in D1. Um, Tom Siegfried, every year we wonder, okay, how's he going to make up for losing El Jansen? Well, all yeah. of a sudden, this team is one of the best teams, not only in Stark County, but maybe all of the state. You know, and that's true. They've got the perfect complement of inside-outside. And, and, you know, Kenny, you've seen them. They, they love to play the back up, the back door. And they've yep. got the big guys to do that. You've got Nigro who can run the offense, or he can be the guy you go to to score. He had 28 the other night, for God's sake. And the, the following game, he may have 13. But it's just the way this team plays. Tom's son, Bo, is outstanding. He's a great outside shooter. He really, really is a great quarterback on this team they go deep he'll play as many as nine ten in a game they all understand the process the role and it's again a community but when you keep a coach in intact and you don't cycle through coaches every three four years they have a system they have a funnel and kids know what to expect coming out of small ball to middle school to junior high to high school and we're seeing him reaping the rewards of uh, family members whose kids and grandkids are playing now, and they're creating their own culture and their own history over there at Louisville, and they are very, very deserving uh, by a, a long shot of that number one ranking. I'm looking elsewhere, too, another team that jumps out at me, uh, and that is Maslin, a 10-3 and record coming off a state championship in football, and now uh, the basketball team as an independent, along with uh, Louisville and Central Catholic of the teams we cover, uh, second-best independent team in the uh, area. Yeah, they're fun. And they play McKinley Tuesday night over there. And and that's a, I'll tell you, I don't care who you are, you go to Maslin, that's a tough place to win. Josh Hose does not like to lose on his own court, and those kids don't either. They're fun. Um, Knight had a good game the other night. I was a little taken back uh, by how much Green defeated them. I mean, they, they smacked them down pretty hard. And that was a two-point game, uh, two point game at halftime. And wow. then Green went on, a, I believe it was 31-11 to 11 run in the third quarter. And Ooh. that just took the, the air out of their sails. And, and that's the worst game I think Maslin has played the entire year. But they'll, play, they'll pull it up. They'll, they'll be fine on Friday. They'll play well on Tuesday. They've got the nucleus of kids with um, Chris Knight, to me, still is the front runner for one of the best players in the county that nobody talks about. He's a consistent 20, 23, 25-point a night kid. He shoots well from distance. Uh, he plays wonderful defense. They've got great kids off the bench like Giorgio Jackson. Then they've got Manson, another kid. Uh, Jalen Slaughter's playing well for him. They're a good cohesive unit. Personally, the best unit Josh has had since he's been there. And he's had some good teams. But this team far and away is a team that with the right seeding and the right level of competition when they go in because they play up in their schedule. They have, an, they have the ability to make a pretty pretty nice run in the tournament, so I'm anxious to see how that all shakes out for them. I'll, I'll correct myself. 10-4 and four after that loss against Green. Yeah, 10-4. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, as uh, I update uh, the stats here in and uh, uh, look over things. Else, um, JT and I talk about this at every level, NBA, yeah. college, and high school. Do you like the way the game is being played? Do you enjoy the NBA college, and for you more specifically since you're doing games, do you think the high school game is in good hands the way it's being played these days? Boy, that's um, 
I think we're seeing, and I, I hope I'm saying this correctly, the fundamental side of the game at times leaves a lot to be desired in yeah. terms of court vision, uh, handling the basketball, understanding what's a good shot versus a great shot. And I blame a lot on that arc out there where you get three mm. instead of two. And I've watched too many teams live and die by it. Other teams better than others. Jackson's an example where they have four kids, I think, hitting 42% or better from three. Yeah, let them launch it. But it's sad to see uh, the big guys have become more back-to-the-basket rebounders, and they don't exploit them in terms of using their skills to the the greatest advantage to allow them to score, too. Everything's becoming more guard-centric anymore, and that, to me is getting away from the rounded, the well-rounded part of the game. It's just my personal opinion. I love watching high school. I love doing it. I've become a more fan of defense anymore because that's one part of the fundamentals you can't mess with. You just get out there and do what's expected of you, play the proper angles, use your length, your athleticism, and try to shut the other team down. But we've just seen so many games this year where first guy that catches it all, I'm open, let's let it fly. And I think a fundamental part of the game for many, many teams is, is taking a dip, and it's something I'd love to see uh, elevate itself again. Yeah, I would too. And I think a lot of that goes back to AAU basketball, Bells. And my son oh, yeah. played it. I coached it, right? And, and I get it. It's a completely different way to, to play the game than you do at the high school level. But now it's bled over into the high school style unless you have an established coach who has uh, you know, a, a strict regiment uh, like uh, uh, you know, Norman Dale. Four. How many times have you passed the ball? Four. Uh, you don't see that anymore, right? It's the first open shot or let that thing fly from beyond the arc. You know, and that's where I love watching teams like Green. I love watching teams like uh, Jackson and, and the Hoovers. Is if you on defense are so caught up in just pushing the guy out beyond the three and they're just uh, your opponent is, as you said, four passes. They're making you chase the ball, and you can't outrun the ball. They're right. weaving it around from left wing to right wing, the top of the key to baseline to back out. Good teams that understand that part of the game make it a long night for their opponent. We saw Jackson do that against Hoover, where they took him out in the third quarter and continued to spread the floor, work the ball, rarely dribbled the ball. It was just a dribble, pick it up, pass it, keep it moving. Uh, eventually, we'll break you down on the backside, and we're going to get a decent shot uh, inside the perimeter. And the better teams are, are starting to show themselves. Green did that against Maslin the other night. We, we saw that Jackson against Hoover. And I feel there are more teams that are capable of that. Uh, and come tournament time, I think it's a necessity. I think it's a part of the game that has to happen. The teams that don't adjust to that, I think, will have an early exit. It's old-fashioned basketball, fellas. It's no different than football. What do you see everywhere? Spread offense. Didn't exist when we were younger. Now you're seeing guys in Bells. You mentioned it. Three-point line, you might fall in love with it, but the teams that are going to advance are the teams that are going to play fundamentally sound basketball. And, again, it takes me back to Rick Harrison and one of the reasons why he's such a good high school basketball coach. We don't know enough about Sean Weatherspoon yet. The only thing we know about Sean Weatherspoon is the fact that played at McKinley, won a state title, and he's coming home. Welcome back, Cotter moment. And let's see if we get yeah. things pointed in the right direction. And it seems as though, so far anyway, 
he it's resounding with the kids. It didn't happen under Vlakovic, right? No, you know it didn't. And, and, and uh, as much as I liked Andy, I thought he was an excellent defensive coach. I thought Andy had his challenges with rotations and players in the right moments, and even the duration of players in the right moment when they are inserted into the game to make them a better force offensively. That's where they struggled over the years. That's where the kids had trouble buying in. And with Sean, it's not freewheeling, but he makes you be part of a flow that gets you the shot you deserve. They like to turn you over and turn those uh, those turnovers into points and run you out. It's getting back to a lot of the basketball you grew up with, JT, Kenny, that you grew up with and I grew up with. And it's refreshing. It's fun to watch from both coaches. Uh, the chess game they're going to play here outside of the just go get them game on Friday night. Uh, we're looking forward to it. Everybody can listen to it. WHBCSports.com, our streaming game of the night. Glen Oak at McKinley Bells. We always appreciate the insight. Have a great call. We'll talk again soon. Sounds great. Appreciate you guys. Take care.